When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Oh my goodness, folks. This is a really, really special edition of Talking Real Money. We answer questions either, you know, in the in the weekend show, or uh, we answer one or two in a regular podcast, or I do the uh, the radio or the, the called-in ones on Friday, but we have so many written questions that Tom and I had to find time to get together, not in person. No, once again, we're 3,000 miles apart. And I'm almost done with the video from this weekend. Almost. It's a really involved video. We'll have a video of uh, our get-together this weekend. Does it have all five goals on it? No, 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 no. I didn't. We didn't remember. How many how many glasses of water did you have at the soccer game? <laughs> it was getting kind of crazy. I think I moved from yeah, three to four like I, that. Do you, Boom. do you remember us videotaping the soccer game? Ah, I assumed you were, but okay, no, I guess not. No, okay. we, no, we have a little surprise from the soccer game oh, for you. Okay, yeah. look forward to but that. It'll be on the video. Okay, it's on the video. I know you spent a lot of, in all kidding, spent a lot of time on that, and I, uh. I like the rest of America's waiting <laughs> breathlessly to see it. So I'm there. I'm hoping it'll be done today. I'm not guaranteeing a darn thing. Well, today, what we're going to do is we're going to take your written questions because we have so many of them. We have them dating back to the 19th of March. Uh-oh. Yeah. Which, that's which says we're really kind of old. Yeah. So we're going to start with a, a deep question. Deep. This is deep. What What's a good, another good word for deep? It's, um, it's. Boy, that's a good question. That's a good question. What is it? I'm it old. Is, I can't remember that. It is persipacious. It's profound. Oh, yeah, that's good. Profound. That's profound. It's philosophical. It's all P words, isn't it? Uh, and this one comes to us from uh, from Overland Park, Kansas, where, yes. of course, all the deep thinking in America occurs. Pretty much. Fly over yeah. USA. Sure. So here you go, Tom and okay. Don. Yeah. Here you go. Hey, hey guys. As a follow-up to a question I had from a recent podcast, I asked about rising and falling empires. I think my question was misunderstood. I did not mean if the United States goes back to an agrarian society, I don't believe that's going to happen. My question was, if the United States loses its position as the world's dominant power, does that have an effect on, say, U.S. total index funds? Do such geopolitical shifts affect the overall stock market, or is there a separation between the two? I'm not looking to be convinced to move money from the U.S. stock index to a total world stock index. I'm just curious about your thoughts on that subject. I think it's an interesting subject. I think it it, it more fits a class on long-term investing. And by the way, if you go back no, not, not that long that. ago. 
150 years ago, uh, certainly you would have, if you'd invested globally, you'd have a lot more money invested in uh, Britain, right? In England than you would in the United States because it was far more dominant powers recently as the what, mid 19th mm-hmm. century. Sure. Yeah. You'd have in the money United in, States- both, in both of those publicly traded British companies that were available <laughs> then probably. <laughs> I mean, no, there were more than that. And, and, and frankly, uh, you would have had very little in the United States. Do you know why? Because it was an emerging market. You might've gotten mm-hmm. your money back. You might not have gotten it back. So your question really is if things change sort of economically, will they change in stock markets? The answer is yes, of course they will. They'll be different and they'll be different one way or another in 50 years after I'm long gone and my grandsons are starting to access their retirement accounts. I don't know how. And if our, and I hate using the term empire, if the United States of America declines in some way, then it's unlikely that uh, our stock market would not be as dominant either. Remember today, it's about half of the globe's a little uh, over cap- a market little under capitalization, half, isn't it? Yes, no, a it's a little under. over half. A little over it's half about now. That's right. Fifty-five percent of the value of companies is here. Forty-five percent is elsewhere, and that has a lot to do with currency uh, pricing as well. So, yeah, I think that could have an impact. I don't know how I would play that today, but uh, I, definitely, sure, I absolutely. I, Fifty years ago, you could hardly invest overseas. It was really, really hard to do. It was expensive. Uh, you had to buy round lots on foreign exchanges. There weren't a lot of international products available. But now there are, and there are great international index products with very, very low fees. And so, and I'm not trying to convince you that the U.S. or Europe or China is better. I'm just saying, I, I believe you should own the market, the global market at all times. Then you're covered no matter who becomes dominant in the future. But any change in that's going to be a long time coming. Long and I think that's a th- I think it's a very good point uh, that it is should be a long time. We don't know. We could have a dramatic incident, I guess, that could really take the United States down in some way. What would that mean? That could mean again that you, if you're globally invested, the impact is less. So I agree with Don on this one. For the first time in years, it's amazing. Uh, here's another question for you, Thomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I plan slash hope to sell my home next month, April. It is next month because we're doing this on the last day of the month. It, I hope to pocket 300000 from the transaction. All right. And uh, now that I'm recently married, I uh, have another home to move to. Question is, what good? Uh, what is a good Vanguard fund to hold the monies in? I plan to use some of it for updates on the other home, but three quarters of it. I plan to hold for at least a full year and then move to diversified funds. Hmm, therein lies the hidden message. Okay, so 225,000. Yeah, 220. Yeah, okay, sure. I have an IRA and Roth uh-huh. funds at Vanguard already, but I'm uh-huh. widely diversified. Also have a Target 2025 fund uh, there too. So there you have it. Okay, so 225,000 of it. You got the hidden message, I'm sure. Of, of it sounds a little like I'm going to wait till things settle down, then I'll invest. Yeah, that's kind Which, of the hidden message I me got. Me too, by the way. I'm waiting until I think it's what next week when we get paid again and my 401k money yeah. goes in. I'm right. going to wait till then. Uh, I, you know, I'm one of those guys that likes buying when things are unsettled, likes buying when things have gone down. Um, so back to short term versus long term. Long term, if you said well, we're going to use this money for the next house, I would simply 
put it back out into a globally diversified stock portfolio, the appropriate amount in bonds and get on with it. If for the short term money, this is where I've been taking a bit of flack. You know, I, I I take it. I'm okay with it. Don has told you repeatedly that if you own a short term bond fund, you do have the risk of loss. There has been there had been one losing quarter in the Vanguard short term investment grade bond fund going back, I think, about 25 years until this quarter. Again, it lost money again this quarter. So people be like, wait a minute. I'm what's not going on with that fund? I'm, I'm not gloating. Oh, no, I'm not yeah, gloating. You should be yeah. because uh, I, yeah, once again, I told you, just put it in that. You'd be okay. Well, you've lost uh, almost 4% of the value of your holdings this quarter. Don't annualize that because it'll pan- make you panic. Um, so those things, as we have kind of tried to suggest, have some volatility to them. As I still Don would recommend those. Try to suggest. Uh, Don has told you repeatedly. So he's Tom. going to tell you. He's going to tell you. Just go go to bankrate.com. Get the best high yield savings deal you can get, which is like 0.75 or something. Actually, it it's down a little bit. It's 0.71. Really? That surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, there are more 0.71s than there were, but uh, are more, more 0.7s. But the best rate's probably about three quarters of 1%. But that's absolutely safe. You cannot see the value of your port of your of your dollars in the account. Not purchasing power, just real dollars. Those won't go down. Yeah, uh, but, so, but you will lose purchasing power. You'll lose purchasing power in a, depending on which gauge you want to believe somewhere between five and 7% annualized inflation currently. Um, so, and that's why I've always wanted that short-term bond fund. It's paid a little bit more. It's paying somewhere close to two, but it, you've had this down quarter. Will next and quarter be down? I have no idea. Don't play the waiting game with the money because you don't know when the right time will occur and you're, we all think we, oh, I'll know it when I see it. I'll oh, yeah. When I see it. Yeah. The bell you know, will ring. The light yeah. will go off. The person it will knock at the door that way. until you go ahead. So. Moving on to our next question about yes. Roth conversions. Oh, boy. Yeah. Federal employee retired in 2019 at 57. Wife and I currently earning 75 grand a year in pensions and dividend interest. I'm going to delay claiming Social Security until I turn 67 to 70. I have 1.8 million in traditional TSP and an IRA, $220,000 in a Roth IRA, 1.3 million in stock investments. Didn't clarify exactly what stock investments means, which concerns me a little. After watching YouTube videos about forward-looking tax planning, Nervous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've come to realize the enormous tax and fee consequences of very high RMDs after 72, and thus the calculations for higher fees, taxes, and Social Security and Medicare premiums for years to come. My question Would it be smart to convert my traditional retirement accounts to Roth IRAs at the top edge of the 24% bracket for a couple filing jointly for the next few years? parentheses, before I claim Social Security and have the higher calculations for Medicare premiums. I was thinking of using my current Roth IRA. Here is the uh, fly in the ointment, the stick in the spokes, the whatever it might be. I was thinking of using my current Roth IRA to pay the higher taxes for the first, for the conversion first. 
then using my long-term stock investments at a 15% rate after depleting my current Roth. My question is, would it be smart to convert my traditional retirement accounts to Roth at the top edge of the 24 bracket for a couple filing jointly, et cetera? Okay, there you go. That's my buzzer. Well, wait, wait, okay, wait, so wait. Yeah. From, there's, there's multiple. This is a very complicated okay, question. I, I was just getting to that. By the way, I ran into someone once uh, that I'd known in high school not long ago, and he told me that he still was troubled by how his upbringing, there were some issues there. And my advice to him was to get counseling. My advice to this person is get a plan because there's too many things going on here. Number two, why in the world would you pay taxes from a Roth when you're trying to convert to a Roth? Yeah, it that seems oxymoronic. That does not make sense to me. Number three, you may have gotten some good news. We may have all gotten some good news if you don't maybe. need to draw. Maybe. If you don't need to draw on your retirement accounts because the U.S. House of Representatives in a rare bipartisan bill, it's like 420 to 5 or something, uh, has approved what they're calling the SECURE Act 2.0, which would push Don mentioned RMDs, those are required minimum distributions, what you have to take out and pay tax on to the age of 75. That wouldn't take effect for about 10 years, but it would push it back over time. There's some other things in there that may be valuable too. There's too many moving parts here. Really, the reality is you need a plan. You've got to sit down with somebody and go through all this. There's great software out there that could look at whether or not conversions would make sense, how to build the right portfolio, because in your case, it might make sense to have all of your bonds in the pre-tax money wouldn't grow as fast, have all the stocks in the post-tax and Roth, et cetera. There's some things to be done here. I will toot our honor a little bit. This is exactly the kind of work that we do. We're not the only ones, but if Mm -hmm. you go to vestry.com, you sign up for a meeting with somebody, we can give you some real guidance there. And and, and this is one of those questions that perfectly illustrates something that we've said for a long time. I have been a huge proponent and everybody knows that of you. Most investors can do it themselves, but I also believe that there are a lot of people who don't even realize they need help. And this is the time in life when the help is essential, when things are getting really complicated and the wrong move can really hurt you. Yeah, I get worried when people want to pay taxes out of Roth. I get worried when people want to do conversions without very carefully considering the long-term ramifications. You do have enough sort of parts of retirement that a a great financial plan sets you on a whole different track, eliminate the need for worry about all this, and really – reduce taxes in many ways and also build the correct portfolio for you for the long haul. But do me a favor, go to talkingrealmoney.com slash help and let us help you find somebody. Uh, Good Because point. I don't want you going to Merrill or, or, or Ch- Chase or who's, does it? J.P. Ed Morgan, Jones yeah. or anybody Ed Jones else. You're not going yeah, to get the kind of help you need. Nope. They're going to tell you they're fiduciaries, but yeah. they're only fiduciaries when it is, when it when it's in their oh, best interest to be fiduciaries. Good way to put it. Yeah, true. Uh, let's go to another question that was sent Please. in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is about Ukraine. A very timely issue. Of course. Uh, apparently, he was listening to a previous episode because he starts his message with, Another disappointment. Oh, again, you fail to take a step back and see the bigger picture. No doubt Americans and others are sending millions in aid to Ukraine, perhaps the Red Cross or UNICEF, maybe to the Ukrainian military directly. Yeah, 
<laughs> Maybe. I Here's think the U.S. Money. government yeah, just handed I, over, what, half no. a billion or something? Oh, that's unencumbered. They can do anything they oh, want with okay. that. It doesn't have to be yeah. arms. Okay. No. Yeah. So, um, but I didn't know you could make a donation directly to the Ukrainian military. Okay. You know, I don't have much. To, I have a few World War II surplus items I could make directly. It might not be you helpful, but random uh, soldier on the front lines, Ukrainian <laughs> exactly. army, Ukraine. Got a few people I could send there, conscripts. Sure. To, to those already planning to make a, a donation to Ukraine, why not consider a war bond? No matter what, you win. If the because uh, I think I probably said. No, we giggled about risk. them. Yeah, they're because they're risk. they're paying eleven percent. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 truth of the matter is, no matter where we are in the war today, it could still go the wrong. Could, the country could be taken over very quickly again. We don't know all the factors on the ground there, so it's very risky. Yeah, we giggle a little bit. By the way, they think they've sold two hundred eighty million dollars worth of these bonds. I looked around. I can't. I can't, I can't figure out how to them. buy them. Yeah, I can't, I can't find them either. I mean, either. It's not but like anyway, your bank or something. So He goes yeah. on to say, here's the yeah. win-win scenario in his mind. If the government collapses, one, you've completed your goal of helping the government, and two, you would receive a monetary return of exactly what you expected, nothing. That's basically what we said. Expect nothing. If the government survives, you had completed, you completed your goal to help the government, and you got a nice return you weren't counting on. Okay, yeah, that, you if you're trying to be charitable, that's not how I would do it. But sure, you're welcome to it. I wouldn't invest in a war bond that's paying 11% because it just feels like uh, maybe you get your money back, maybe you don't. And there's other ways, again, to be sort of helpful if you want with your resources. And now we move on to more profundity on today's edition Ah, of Talking Real Money. This is the profound edition. In fact, I think that's what I'm going to call it. The profound edition. He's writing it down right now, ladies and gentlemen, and he's going to need help spelling it it here in a moment. So go ahead. I know how to spell profundity. Yes. I know. Yeah, I'm a good speller. All right. Uh, It's not a sign of intelligence, a teacher told me once either, by the way. Whatever. I write to commend you for your recent review of economic history. Ah. including the courage of Brit John Maynard Keynes in buying American securities during the Great Depression. You also reviewed the many pontifications. We're just a big word, big word show today. Profundity. The many pontifications yeah. of Harry Dent, who has a consistent history of being flat wrong. I was curious about your assertion. Oh, your assertions, not assert. Your assertions that our economy would fall back <laughs> to the 1800s if, as Harry predicts, we have a stock market drop of 90%. You did not present the bridge between these facts as optimally as you could point out uh, how from September 3rd, 1929 to July 8th, 1932, the leading stock index of the time, the Dow dropped 89.2%. This happened in the lifetime of our friends who are in their 90s today. Well, only if they were babies. Our grandparents confronted tough challenges, invested, and helped build our future. Never underestimate, never underestimate the character and strength of the American people, especially when challenged. I'm going to let Don take on the what would happen to the world if the stock market dropped by 90%. But I will add one point, and that is, I think, did they mention Harry Dent and said that the new prediction? So remember a month ago, we talked about Harry Dent's new prediction when the market was tilting a little bit. He mm-hmm. said, I think I'm right about this, that the market would be down 30 to 40% by the end of March on its way to a decrease to 90. 
a ninety percent. So unless while we're recording this, which is happening on the thirty first, we really have a sharp decline today because the global Wait. market right now is almost at break even. For what's the market doing quarter? right now? As I didn't we even look today. This. We record. We're recording this late in the afternoon. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. the, the S&P 500 is down a little less than 1%. Not going to okay. make it. So Unless again, there's a big, big, yeah. big, big end in the last few minutes here. This uh, prediction, as usual, yeah. he can take his potato chips and go home. He's wrong. And, and as so, for the other stuff, yeah. uh, September 29 to mm-hmm. July, first off, uh, the, the, the crash of 29 and the subsequent Great Depression were truly aberrant. The market was supported. In fact, the economy of the U.S. at that time was primarily supported by vast amounts of margin debt. Yeah. I mean, it was like 70% of the money. It was something ridiculous. Almost the entire value of the stock market was supported by borrowing, which it can't be anymore. There are laws to keep that from happening. Yes, we can have declines, but to have one like that again is very, very unlikely. And do remember, the Dow, the Dow was just a few stocks back then, and it do, it it dripped, uh, dropped. No, it, it dropped eighty nine percent. But oh. that was just in the value of the Dow, which a lot a lot of people forget. All the d- dividends were big back then, mm-hmm. so the Dow didn't suffer as big a losses as it would appear just looking at the value of the index itself. However, the effect of that event, along with the run on the banks that occurred at the same time or very close uh, to that, led to massive unemployment in the United States. And in some areas of the United States, a true return to a pre-mechanized agrarian level. So a 90% drop in the stock market today, I don't know where it would end up, but I can tell you that it would end up in a global catastrophe because we are all so intimately connected and intricately connected, that it wouldn't be pretty, whatever it turned out to be. And by the way, there are those economists who would say that really the Great Depression did not end until we started mass producing tanks, planes, munitions for World War II. So again, uh, yes, I agree with you, Don. If the market were to tank by 90%, it wouldn't just be the United States that would go into the deep freeze. It would be the entire globe because the globe is so reliant on on us as well for so much. Um, so it's an interesting question. I think it's one, again, more for a parlor game of something. I don't know how it would affect my investing strategy today. It wouldn't change it a bit. It, it well, Mine doesn't change because I don't believe that that's a likely thing to happen for what, for a variety of reasons. One of which you mentioned around sort of the number of, of stocks or bought on you know borrowing so that that doesn't it's happen the level today. of and it's mainly it's the level of speculation yeah that's the, true the early stock market in the united states this was the first time that little littler people could get involved it really was because there was a, a communications revolution you could get stock quotes over the wires uh over the telephone you you, you had this new technology that helped spread the the interest in investing um, and so you had a lot of people sitting around in literally what were called bucket shops. That's right. And they they were betting on the movement of the stock market. They weren't even buying stocks. They were just betting on the movement. There was so much gambling associated with it that it the better analogy today, the best analogy today is cryptocurrency. 
that looks more like 29 than yeah. the stock and there was does. of course much fraud in the bucket shops too that occurred oh my gosh yeah people have forgotten about as well so until you really had the sec in the in the mid 30s there was a lot more fraud so anyway back to the question Another question. I have a new, I have, yeah. I have a new one for you. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have a goal. We want to be able to pay for our children's wedding. This is the first wedding nice. question. Yeah, I think it is. In about 20 to 25 years, Ooh. about 10 to 15 years before our retirement. We want to start investing in a brokerage account now so that we'll have all the money we need when the time comes. Right now, we're planning on investing 100 to 200 a month. We're looking for the simplest set it and forget it type of method because we don't want to spend time worrying about rebalancing or really uh, any other maintenance before we actually need the money. And we when's, when's about the wedding? 20 to 25 years. Apparently these are babies. Well, this is easy. Actually, this is very simple. And I think it's pretty good, by the way. So 20 to 25 years is like 2045 or 2050, right? Somewhere in that area. Uh-huh. They, they, I wasn't done. Oh, pardon me. We were thinking about putting the money into a target date fund. Oh, you stole it. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Mm. Now I got to come up with a better idea. Let's see. No, it's all you have. It's that's the only one you have. Don't, life don't strain your brain. Or something. Yeah, okay. Target date and similar. Yeah, it's all the same thing. I love, I think that's perfect. Yeah, put the money. You and what, Okay, just look it up. A how target much 2040 cost? or a target twenty. No, but how much does it cost? I mean, it's so, it's like 12 what, what basis mean? points. You're good. Oh, how much? Um, yeah. Um, how much does it run? I mean, it's so inexpensive. It's so perfect because then in 20 to 25 years, that's probably going to be half in stocks, half in bonds, something like that when you actually need the money. So you're still going to be getting some growth, but a lot of stability. Yeah. I think that's a great does, idea. You know, the question though, let me just find. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, trying to find one that's an ETF. Yeah. I, Okay, I could look that because up of the hundred to two hundred dollars a month. Vanguard has their good point. Sneaky little. Um, let me just see. We may have to go with somebody other than Vanguard. Target date retirement ETFs. Wow, huh? All right, here's what we did. We took a little break. We took a little break. We cut some stuff out. <laughs> we went searching. And it's funny, this is the first time we've ever really thought about it in all these years. We can't find any target ETFs. There may be that a means, reason by why. By the way, somebody will send us a note where it is, but okay. Yeah, but I, we could not. We we both looked, right? We both searched. Yep. For I like couldn't five minutes. Him. Yep. Right. Um, so what we found is the uh, just the target date funds that Vanguard and Fidelity and others have. Sure. Uh, the Vanguard target retirement 2040 is... Um, Eight basis points a year, 0.8%. The disadvantage is you got to come up with what, three grand to get three in? Three grand right? to get in. Yeah. So, so yeah. So if you're trying to do minimum. the hundred a month, oh, that's, no, that's, it's a thousand now. Oh, okay. It's a oh, thousand. That's so, okay. So, that's better. my you suggestion can have that in would a be few to months. dig deep, come up with a thousand or, or save it aside and then pop it in once you get to the thousand. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. You buy that target date fund, it'll reduce the amount of risk, the amount of volatility when you get close to the wedding, then the money's there ready to go. I think it's a terrific gift. Great idea. Yeah, inexpensive, very inexpensive. But I would like to add a little point. Uh, and here's my my number one goal, the number one, be selfish. You need to be selfish, though. Your kids are important. 
and their wedding, sure, it's an, it's an important event. But don't hurt your retirement to give them an elaborate wedding. I'd rather you give them a less elaborate wedding and make sure you have more put away for retirement. Do not hurt your retirement for your kid's education or your kid's wedding, because unless you're 100% sure and you have a written contract that they are going to take care of you and take care of you in their in your old age, you need <laughs> nobody's going to take care of you but you. You need to make sure that's done. I don't mean to sound selfish. But. No, I'm glad you had added education because people have a tendency also to make sure their kids have enough money for college. You can always go back and finance college for somebody. You cannot finance retirement for someone. So that's a very good point, Don. I'm with you there. All right. Now, one yeah. last question and then oh, we're out of here. that's it? Okay, sure. This is another one of those heavy duty, oh, good big sakes. picture kind of questions. Uh-huh. In your episode, Stop Waiting to Invest, you talk about bond performances over the last 40 years, the dynamic that has caused the falling interest rates for the last 40-ish years is still well intact. People worrying about bond yields rising significantly don't understand why rates have to keep falling for over 40 years. Is this sent from the, the bond bowl. king? Or I don't what? know. Okay. The Fed. I'm gonna. Mm, the Fed won't be able to raise rates for that long or go very high. If you look at past predictions of the phase, the Fed's dot plot future interest rate predictions, they've been wrong 100 percent of the time. The debts of our civilization are just staggeringly too high for interest rates to go meaningfully higher. This is a mathematical certainty. In other words, I you hate can't anybody raise anybody who makes yeah. who makes absolute. <laughs> Claims this is not a mathematical certainty. There is no way, shape, manner, or form in which it could be a mathematical certainty. This is this is the the writers, the correspondents' opinion, but it is not a, a mathematical certainty. Yeah, there are very few of those when it comes to the future. But here's the thing: we do know. Number one, today. Rates have gone up. Yields, uh, pardon me, rates, yields have gone up. The value of those bonds have gone down. We can say that to this point. Yes. Moving forward, nobody knows nothing. We don't know. And and there, and if you look back the last 10 years, the number of times people said, oh, they interest rates have to go up. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. Really smart people said that and and lost a lot of money because they made bets the wrong way. Been saying so, that for for oh my gosh, fifteen years, yeah, a long, twenty long years, time. yeah, a long time, over twenty years, yeah. Now. Um, the the question you raise about the debt, in other words, the fact that the government is issuing debt at a certain interest rate, it would be unaffordable, as I guess what you're saying, if you're issuing trillions of dollars of debt at five uh, percent instead of two percent. Well, I don't know the answer to that either, because there's a lot of factors that would go into whether or not you truly could do that. And this so, also reflects a, a, a misunderstanding of the Federal Reserve's control over interest rates. The Federal Reserve only has control over very, very short-term rates over days. days. Overnight rate. Yeah, yeah, right. Over one day to the what next. What I loaned Don to pay his house payment, that that kind of the rate rate for U.S. Treasury securities, for example, is not set by the Federal Reserve. 
Correct. It is set by the marketplace. It is an auction market. People who buy debt tell the U.S. government, we are willing to buy your debt at this interest rate. That's a that's a negotiated marketplace. Nobody determines that rate except supply and demand, which is out of anyone's control. If there is less confidence in the U.S. paying back its debt, rates will rise. They will. If there is still, as there is today, the greatest confidence in our ability to pay the debt, given the fact that we have the two of the other largest economies in the world are authoritarian governments, and you can't really, you can't trust anybody, but you really can't trust an authoritarian government, we're going to remain a strong currency for a while. So that helps keep rates down. But there's no way to say over 40, you can't make, nobody, nobody can make a 40-year prediction. It's impossible. Well, you can There's no make mathematical them. certainty. I don't think it'd be very accurate. Uh, so thank you, Don. That's a very good point. And, and so the question then still at the end of the day, with all these philosophical questions that are sort of beating up America, what do you do with that information? And again, what I think you do is diversify, 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 keep your costs low and ignore anyone who says this is a mathematical Absolutely going to certainty. I mean, because, Mm -hmm. again, we don't know anyone who's been able to make that kind of prediction, really, even about the next year or two, period. You know, you sounded a lot like William Sharp for a minute. You like that? The professor at Stanford. But then you didn't go keep cost low, keep cost low, keep cost low. No, I said said you keep your cost. I didn't say it. You only said it once. He said it three times. That's why he's a doctor and I'm a whatever, whatever. You're a schlep. (laughs) A schlump. A shamil. A shamazel. A shamazel. Exactly. So I'll take All right, that. dude. Yeah. yeah. That's Good work. Tom over there. Uh, and I'm Don McDonald. And we're thousands of miles apart. But all we do is hang out with you talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment tax or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?